Chart Chat is a member of the Tej.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tej.fm. That's T-E-E-J.fm. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, July 23rd, 2018. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Tanner. And you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the U.S. and U.K. charts. What's up, Tanner? Feeling good, feeling fresh, feeling a little toasty, but I got a free donut yesterday, which was (laughs) uh, chocolate frosting with coconut sprinkles. Actually, not coconut sprinkles, just like flakes. How are you? Oh. I am great. I did not receive a free donut, so I guess a little bit worse than you. That's what happens when you leave Charlottesville. It's true. I am joined in the home studio today by two of the (gasps) most rambunctious black labs, Quinn and Mojo. They're wagging their tails because I said their names. If you hear any, (sighs) just know it's not me. It's the dogs. (laughs) Or it's me getting excited about this week's chart uh, entries. What you got? I have at number 92, a very difficult name to pronounce, Mnek, M-N-E-K, Mnek. I kind of like just saying Mnek. Um, Again, that's number 92 with Haley Steinfeld with the song Color. One spot above that, we have Years and Years with their song Karma. Number 89, we have NHS Voices with a little help from my friends. Number 88, we have Years and Years again with their song All For You. We skip up a little bit to number 66 with Ray, her song Friends. And finally, piggybacking off last week, at number four, we have Drake with In My Feelings. And we've got a whole lot of unique ones over here on the U.S. side of things. Debuting at number 96, we have Iggy Azalea featuring Tyga with their song Cream. Debuting at number 88, we have a song that debuted a couple weeks ago back in the UK, which is Jackie Chan, and that is by Tiesto and Zeko, featuring Prem, Preme, and Post Malone. Half, half of those names I am sure I got wrong. A name I won't get w- wrong, though, is Lil Pump, who debuts at number 83 with Drug Addicts. Debuting at number 79, there's Meek Mill, featuring Jeremiah and P&B Rock with Dangerous. Debuting at number 76, there's Future with his song Rax Blue. 21 Pilots are back, and they debut at number 73 with their song Jumpsuit. Oh my gosh, Tanner. Side note on 21 Pilots. Yes. They have at the Capital One Arena on Halloween a show. And unfortunately, I am not going to the show because tickets for the show sold out in about two minutes. So you're saying that you're a fake fan who wasn't there waiting in time to get the tickets. I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's more than I can say. This is still very. What am I trying to say with that sentence? I'm still new to liking a 21 Pilot song, but I'm jumping the gun there a little bit. Uh, for now, <laughs> I'll just say that debuting at number 72, there's Philadelphia, which is by Meek Mill featuring Swizz Beats, and then you've got a little mini Future block here. Future debuts at number 70, number 64, and number 53 with the songs "Cuddle My Wrist," "31 Days." and Wi-Fi lit, respectively. Caitlin, you've got some, uh, at least one of your songs here is a real doozy uh, to talk about, so I'm going to let you kick things off. What you got? Well, I got 
a little help from my friends, the NHS, we have a charity single alert tanner. This one was released on July 6th, and it's interesting. We'll lead with saying that. So for people in the United States that don't know what NHS Voices is, I'm going to explain it in little bite-sized pieces. First off, the NHS equals the National Health Service in the UK. They set all priorities and direction for national debates to improve healthcare in England, and occasionally they do fundraisers for things. In this case, it's their 70th birthday. So that explains the NHS part of things. NHS Voices, a little bit more in depth here. So the background choir vocals you're about to hear are courtesy of the Lewisham and Greenwich NHS Choir, which is made up of doctors, physiotherapists, IT experts, midwives, you name it. So all of the singers that you hear are employed by the NHS, or they work in healthcare, in other words, which is kind of cool. I don't think we have an equivalent of that right now in the United States. It would be funny. Tanner, start a UVA, UVA doctor choir. (laughs) Actually, I had a surprising amount of students who were like in the Virginia singers or the what's the ones with the bow ties like the acapella groups and stuff that were pre-med so that must be their thing good for them a little bit of history on the NHS voices or NHS choir is that they actually scored a number one on the charts back in 2015 around Christmas time. And in that case, it was a mashup of Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water and Cold Plays Fix You, which is like, it's kind of funny that they choose songs. And this one that we're seeing on the charts right now is with a little help from my friends. It's like, like kind of they're adopting, I guess, these songs as their doctors helping people. Fix You by Coldplay kind of stuck out to me as super cheesy, but whatever. Um, And in that case, in 2015, when they did get that number one spot, everyone, they beat Justin Bieber. Justin tweeted something like, look how great this is. Everyone buy their thong. So then Justin's followers went out and checked the song and that kind of propelled them to that number one spot. Again, nice for them. Let's talk about specifics here. The song with a little help from my friends, features some kind of big names, but not super big names. Seal is on here. Niall Rogers is on here. Rick Astley. Allie Campbell and Astro from UB40. And one of the best names I have never heard. Everybody. The name is Engelbert Humperdinck. Baller. I had to do a little more research because I was like, what could his music sound like? According to Wikipedia, it sounds like one of the finest middle-of-the-road balladeers around. High praise, high praise, everyone. To top things off, this single was recorded at the legendary Abbey Road Studios. On production, we have Timbaland and Brit Award-winning, as well as Grammy-nominated producer John Cohen. Everybody, as our beloved advisor, Noel Lobley likes to say, the conditions are there, but I don't know... If the conditions were met, I don't know how we resolve that statement, but I'll let you take a listen. This is with a little help from my friends. How do I feel at the end of the day? Are you sad because you're on your own? Oh, I get a little help from my friends. 
So let me just lead with, as Tanner kind of shields his face in disgust, that this song combines so many of the things that we detest about pop music, pop music production. Like, there's there's a list that I have here. And I'm, I'll keep it short because I'm sure dedicated listeners could make a list of their own based on previous episodes of what we detest. I'll start with the positives. Marina and the Diamonds. You heard her sing, I Want Somebody to Love, for about five seconds. And all that is playing in the background are some nice like little strings, whatever. No choir vocals, no backbeat, no gross other things about this song. So Marina, shout out to you. That was a great five seconds. Continuing with the positives here. All the proceeds from the release go to NHS Charities Together. Charities Together is capitalized. And that's a group of like 130 charities or something that have come together in this instance to celebrate the 70th birthday of the NHS. And I guess they're just kind of trying to raise awareness for their universal health care, which I don't kind of understand why you need to raise awareness because like it's universal health care, like it's for everybody. Woo! But anyway, cool what they're doing. So if you do listen to this, you do buy this, you're given back to the universal health care in England. Beautiful. Negatives time. Woo. You've all been waiting for it. <laughs> Tanner just grimaced. Um, uh, the drum beat is so horrifically bad and like crappily produced. It's almost like Timbaland had five minutes and they were like, NHS, oh, Timbaland, thank you so much for being here. And he's like, okay, here's a beat piece. It's just not that well. I don't think it's well thought out with the choir. Like, the, the beat and the choir fought this entire song in my ears, and I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I wish it was a little bit slower, something like, um, if we remember a couple weeks ago, the Kingdom Choir charted um, with Stand By Me that they sang at the Royal Wedding, and that was slow, it was regal, it fit the choir standard, I would say, and maybe they were trying to think outside the box with this one and add a little semi-trap beat and it just didn't work for me tanner anything to say about this lovely beat i would agree in thinking that it's pretty bad i'm resisting the urge to make a scotty mccreary joke when you mentioned timbaland taking five minutes to make this beat and suggesting that maybe he needed five more minutes oh my gosh (laughs) i i mean i i this I, i i will confess this is one of the songs that challenges me to hold to our podcast mission of not unnecessarily dunking on songs but i will say that with what you were saying with the sort of clashing between the beat and the choir it gives the song a really lumbering kind of ponderous feeling that i think really amplifies the sort of inherent kitschiness of a charity single and yeah. we've talked about charity singles in the past that we've liked. Um, that Sting cover, Fields of Gold, was oh, it was, was so a was a past pick of the week. It was really good. Um, I it's it's a bit cliche to admit, but I am a big fan of the original "We Are the World" back from the eighties. Um, yeah. I think there's a way to lean into or circumvent the sort of corniness that comes with throwing a bunch of celebrities into a, a recording booth and and having them do a song. And this one just comes off as 
too cheesy if there is such a thing yeah and i guess in particular with that too like the lineup of people and this the switching of lines like just giving people five words to sing at a time and i guess that's kind of what all charity singles do but this one seemed a little bit more not deliberate but it was just so like roll your eyes kind of thing like okay here's the next one okay here's another one and the celebrity vocals i'll be honest were subpar on this subpar now the choir was great choir is excellent and i really respect that they're nurses doctors like people taking time to learn this material yeah that's super cool but i just didn't like the loudness of it like the loudness of yes the celebrity solo singers trying to kind of like be forward in that mix and then the choir was super loud even though you could almost hear them on the periphery I can kind of see Abbey Road in my mind and just see the choirs at a distance but they were kind of making up for that by just like not yelling but there are borderline yelling with the soloists in this I will say and then towards the ends like the older singers like Engelbert he was yelling like it was just put the pushing of the vocals here just didn't pay off in a way that I think is appealing to pop listeners now. I think smoother vocals, I think not as loud and not as forward, I guess, in your ears in that mix. It was just, it threw me. It threw me for a loop. I'm I'm done talking about it because, Tanner, you're absolutely right. Like, I'm happy I thought of some positives there, but I hate dishing on songs. <laughs> Especially it's when fun. it's a song that's that's going towards a good cause. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Deep breath. That, that was a lot off my chest there, guys. Like, that has been hanging over me all week, and I've been listening to it to prep. It's been rough. Okay. We're going to move on to something a little bit lighter. We're going to talk about Rachel Keen, a.k.a. Ray. So she is an English singer-songwriter. She's popped up a couple times on this podcast before. I think uh, it was last year she was featured on the song Decline by Mr. Easy. And what we are seeing now is Ray by herself. So like I said, she is English. But in the song you're about to hear, you're not really going to hear that accent too much. I'm going to go ahead and play you a clip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. What's up with all the girls? That's so good. So good. I was dancing to it even before you started playing it. <laughs> and 
that beat is just so infectious. I think that sample, the dun, 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 that thing. And there's something just about the, that rhythm and the intervals that remind me of really good, like, Latin-inspired club music. And for a 20-year-old English singer-songwriter, like, nice effort. This is awesome. However, my one qualm with this is that if someone told me this was Dua Lipa or BB Rexa or anyone on that like kind of side of the field, I honestly would have believed them. It's like this generic, like smooth, accent removed voice that is super talented, but Dua Lipa, is that you? She's piggybacking off others' success because of how generic your voice sounds. So anyway, that was just a, kind of an aside. What I really want to talk about is this hook. It is one of the best kind of list kind of hooks I've heard in a while. Um, we had the song Friends come out. That was Marshmallow and some forgettable person Marie. that, you know, like Anne Marie. Yes, that one. Um, like to spell F-R-I-E-N-D-S. That's how we spell friends. Woo. We've also had Dua Lipa release her new rules. That's kind of like, one, pick up the phone. Da, da, da. And can I just say, I have heard that song on the radio. They play it like every other song. They play it every other, probably at the top of every quarter of an hour. They play Dua Lipa's new rules. I, just, I, I can't. But this hook is just not a list. It's like indecision and how it plays out is almost it, like it's mirrored in the rhythm. We could have been, we could have been, could have been friends, right? And then it's like, it's still choppy and it's, we could have been, well, maybe not. And it's almost like you're talking to your friend and you're super heated about something and indecisive and you're like, well, maybe not. I mean, I don't know. I want to be his friend, blah, blah, blah. And like you kind of flip flop back and forth. And I think this punchy rhythm is so perfect in delivering that. It's like you've run into this person at the club and you're dancing, but you're also having this conversation. And while you are dancing, you are working out your feelings in real time. And the words that come out mirror that indecision totally. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so, you're so right. And I love, I love that concept. It's like a concept song. <laughs> um, and just, I think using that limited amount of lyrical material with that punchy rhythm makes the song super catchy. It's an earworm. That's what we call it in the world of pop. And I think last thing I really want to mention is the strings during the hook remind me of Britney Spears, like early Britney Spears' Toxic. And that reference made me excited about the song. I'm hoping, along with Tanner, that it breaks in the U.S. I think Ray deserves a shot, and we should all be listening to her. Tanner... I'm throwing it over to you. Yeah, just one one last quick note on the topic of the song potentially breaking in the U.S., which we're both pulling for, for it to happen. I keep thinking about whether or not the success of a song like One Kiss paves the way for the success. On one hand, I think a lot uh. of the success of One Kiss in the States is due to the fact that you have Calvin Harris and Dua Lipa on the track, both recognizable names in a way that Ray is not. But on the other hand, I do wonder if having a song like One Kiss on the radio sort of paves the way for songs in a similar stylistic vein like Friends to sort of follow suit. I hope so at least. It's a cool song. 
And we're going to talk about some more cool songs over here on the U.S. side of things. We're going to start with Philadelphia, Meek Mill. This is the first release. It's a great title. Portmanteau of Mill and Philadelphia, which is where Meek Mill's from. Uh, but this is his first release since his uh, uh, release from prison. Um, his legal troubles have been the topic of many an article and uh, analysis. So I'm going to try to sum it up super briefly. Back in November, Mill was sentenced to two to four years in prison for his fifth parole violation, despite the objections oh, of the prosecutor and probation officer who did not want him jailed. Uh, Mill was on parole for drug and weapon charges that stemmed back to 2008, but that original conviction is now being called into question uh, by one police officer's allegations of departmental corruption, said corruption allegedly including the arresting officer in Mill's case. And then compounding on top of that, the judge who has overseen all of Mill's cases, both his original conviction and his subsequent parole violation hearings, um, she herself has been the topic of allegations of impropriety, including a sort of bizarre claim from Mill and his lawyers. Caitlin is shooting me a face. <laughs> there there are allegations that she privately asked Meek Mill and his then girlfriend, Nicki Minaj, to do a remix of a Boys to Men song and give her, the judge, a shout out. That, of course, has been denied and, and not proven. But uh, I, wow. I bring all of this up to... to to lay the groundwork for the fact that a Mills case has been the case for a sort of wellspring of public support. You've got someone like Jay Z writing an op-ed. Um, you've got sort of continued advocacy from one of the owners of the Philadelphia 76ers. And I'm assuming most listeners who keep up with uh, new hip hop releases in particular have heard shout outs and songs or seen tweets with uh, free meek or something to that extent. And so with all of that backdrop, you have recently the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania ordering Mill's release uh, after hearing his appeals. Uh, and as of April 24th, Meek Mill is free of prison. So all of that said, Philadelphia is a track off Mill's four-song EP, Legends of the Summer, which debuted at number nine on the Billboard 200 albums chart. Let's take a listen. Once again, this is Philadelphia. I have to confess, I love the lyrical redundancy of him saying that he bought a Rolls Royce to burn it and set it on fire. <laughs> Meek. <laughs> Meek. All of which to say, um, I, I have to confess, so on one hand, this is, uh, this is admittedly my first time listening to Meek Mill. Uh, but with that being said, I also have to confess that Legends of the Summer is one of my favorite releases of the year so far. It's a fantastic wow. EP. So, so good. And the song is a big part of why. Uh, a lot of a lot of the reason for that has to do with Mills rapping. Uh, his he has this sort of half shouting style of rapping that 
does the obvious uh, work to keep up the energy, but he's able to keep up that energy throughout all of these beat drops. There are a ton of beat drops in this song, and it's not a guarantee that a given rapper is going to be able to keep up the energy over all of those beat drops. I'm thinking perhaps of a certain song of Scorpio that was one of the only ones Caitlin liked that I did not like a certain talk up, which was a song full of dropouts that I thought completely face planted. Caitlin's giving me a look. Wait, did you say Scorpio? Oh no. Or Scorpion. <laughs> it's, a Scorpio. it's called Scorpion. It's all the same. That's you hilarious. No, I, I think that's funny. No, that's spot on. Also, also, man, Mills ad libs are also to thank here. He's not using ad libs just as a branding thing, like you might hear from the so-called mumble rappers or the SoundCloud rappers or whatever you have it. He's using it for branding and as his own hype man, like a good ad lib should be. Eh, I, I don't know if that should be. I'm gonna walk that back, but I am gonna say, like, right before the chorus hits, you have like two ad libs colliding at the same time that really just like whips things into a frenzy. Really cool, but. The reason that I'm particularly impressed with Meek's rapping is not only does he keep this energy up in this really go-go-go, high-intensity way, but he stays quick on his lyrical toes. For as much as Mill is pushing his voice, his flows stay nimble, not to mention varied, and he, he doesn't trip up. Like, there's not a single point in the song where it feels like he lets the energy slip or he lets his technique slip. It's go-go-go, but it's go-go-go, jab, twist... I'm moving around the mic. It's probably going to mess things up in post-production, but whatever. Like, <laughs> uh, it's just a really smart way to kick off a really short, punchy EP. Again, it's four songs, 13 minutes. This is the end of my pitch to go listen to uh, Legends of the Summer. Caitlin. So, Tanner, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, Legends of the Summer or Scorpion? Which one do you prefer? As opposed to Scorpio. <laughs> yes scorpio is different not on the table i would say legends of the summer no way yep. that makes me kind of happy did i redeem myself for my drake defense last week you okay, have good. and it also makes me want to go listen to legends of summer you should the song 1am in particular it's the third yes. track on there 1am is so good so 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 good and it's particularly striking having this alongside a future release that I was kind of underwhelmed by. Beast Mode 2 was kind of, eh, I think both you and I were mm -hmm. in agreement on that one. Uh, before we move on, anything else? Any other thoughts on Philadelphia? I know I'm more into this one than you are, but. It was, it was good. And I have to agree with the energy. Like there's something about it that it's infectious and it kind of, it makes me smile every time I hear meek, meek. <laughs> like it's, it's cool. It's a good song. It's a good song. You know what else is a good song? Jumpsuit. The new song from 21 Pilots. Woo! This is the first new music from the now massive Ohio duo since their album Blurry Face. Brief refresher, that album went triple platinum, spawned two top 10 hits, uh, those being titled Stressed Out and Ride. Uh, Shoutouts to Alec. He's a big 21 Pilots fan. He puts up with my, my pop babbling Ooh. sometimes. Um, they also, I have to mention, they also did have Heathens, which was that song that they did for the movie Suicide Squad, the DC movie, the superhero movie that was apparently really bad. But, I hated that song. See, that was the closest I had previously come to liking a 21 Pilots song. It wasn't bad. It wasn't That's bad. That's hilarious. But we're both in agreement. Oh, yeah, go for it. Yes. I. While we're in the business of shouting out, I have to shout out one of my friends, uh, actually two of my friends, Aaron 
and Billy Oakley, who is on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the sea. Uh, he's in the Navy, and he had this feeling that 21 Pilots was going to release an album and announce a tour right as he was shipped out. And Billy, you were absolutely correct. And Aaron, uh, my really good friend, is buying the album for him and sending it to him. So I wanted to make sure that that little story got out there because I think that is an amazing friendship. Dedication. <laughs> Dedication to the new album, which is called Trench. It's due in October. So stay tuned, Caitlin's mm -hmm. friends, for that. In the meantime, we're going to break Jumpsuit down in a way that's a little different than the way we usually talk about songs. And I'm hoping the reason for that will become clear Ooh. as we go along. Uh, so first, the song in general is built around this, uh, this riff that opens the song. It's basically the backbone of the song. Uh, let's listen briefly to that riff. That's the riff, opens the song. It's pretty straightforward, very, you know, chunky bass. Um, to my mind, the first thing I think of is, is, is like a Black Keys song or some other mm. blues rock band. Um, and the reason I bring up that comparison is I think the crux of why the song works well is that it's constantly subverting at least the expectations I had when I first heard that riff. When I first heard that riff and I was thinking, oh, Black Keys, Blues Rock, something like that. I was thinking a very straightforward drum pattern. Either quarter notes or eighth notes on a crash cymbal or maybe a tom, and you've got the snare on two and four. You know, doom, pa, doom, pa, doom, pa. N nothing too fancy, very streamlined. So that's my expectation, but let's hear what they decide on. definitely didn't go with what I expected. So it's not quite a breakbeat. Uh, for listeners unfamiliar, if you think of sort of like cliche 90s uh, electronic music, what's in your head is probably a breakbeat. Um, if you're familiar with drum and bass or jungle sort of subgenres, those are founded on on breakbeats. Um, the, the point is, instead of having a very streamlined drum beat like I was expecting, like I sort of highlighted earlier, instead you've got a lot of kicks and snares on off beats which kind of disoriented mm. me, which I was kind of into. But then, you know, after a while, you sort of acclimate to it, you get a little more familiar. And then after the first verse, you're expecting them to repeat the riff, which they do, and you are expecting the same drum pattern. Instead, this is what it sounds like after the first verse when that riff comes back. Again, they switch it up. Suddenly, the more complicated subdivisions are gone, and instead you get a lot more emphasis on the crash symbol in a way that you might find if you are, say, a metal band. 
but they don't stick with that pattern. Halfway through that section, that sort of uh, repetition of the riff, then they revert back to the original drum pattern that they opened the song with. And then, the very end of the song, you get this build to a sort of intense scream that I think is really effective and powerful. Um, I love Mm. me a good scream. But instead of having the original drum pattern, you have an even more stripped down pattern than that one we heard after the first verse. You've got even more empty space that really emphasize the crash symbol, which I, I guess means you can slot this song in my personal archive of uh, songs to headbang to that you might not expect headbanging. <laughs> we had Big God last week, and I'd actually say you have both Jumpsuit and Philadelphia on that list. But uh, let's briefly listen to that ending section. So yeah, I I wouldn't say that I am like in love with the song or anything. I don't think it's incredible show-stopping whatever, but it's a cool little song. And I think, at least for me, a lot of why it's cool is because it's constantly keeping you on your toes. I didn't even talk about the B section, which is totally different in terms Mm. of tone. Um, And I could go off on a tangent talking about how the melody in that B section kind of throws in some interesting twists and turns. Uh, But for the sake of time, I think I'm going to stop it there. Caitlin, I think you were pretty into the song. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm impressed by it. I mean, I'm definitely more a fan of other 21 Pilot songs than I am this one. But what I really liked about this, and I know that you didn't get uh, these specific references, but I heard a lot of like heavier Jimmy Eat World. Like not, what's that song? The Middle that is played on the radio all the time. Um, there's some way heavier stuff that they play. And then also a little bit of Radiohead here with like the kind of weird electronic dabbling. Um, I get a lot of kind of Tom York, later Tom York vocal deliveries with this too. So in terms of, I think I like the song because I got those references from it. And I think that causes a lot of people to not only get into new music, but also stick with a song that maybe you don't necessarily love because you hear other things in it and i'm here to tell you that's okay and that's a cool way to listen to pop music i agree and that is a way to (laughs) listen to pop music that will be very salient in a couple minutes here when we talk about our pick of the week uh caitlin would you like to do the honors of introducing uh what i can't believe we're about to do this caitlin (laughs) (laughs) okay so I'm going to introduce it by saying my aux cord in my car is broken. It kind of like melted in the heat. So I'm kind of stuck listening to the radio a lot. Listen to a lot of Top 40. And that's where we first heard the song Cream. You all might be rolling your eyes just like we did when we finally came to the conclusion that this was our pick of the week. It's a thro- it's a throwback in many ways, and I'm going to toss it over to Tanner, who has a couple notes about this, and then he's going to take us out. It's really interesting for me to think about why I have this response to us bestowing the highest podcast honors to Iggy Azalea <laughs> and Tyga. And I think, I mean, obviously a lot of it is to do with not only do you have one not so critically favored artist, but you have two not so critically favored artists on a track both artists mm. being, uh, for lack of a better term, widely seen as somewhat past their prime, 
or past their moment in the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, you have Tyga with Rack City, which is way back in like 2012 or something like that, which as you mentioned last week, I am mm. quite fond of. And then you have, of course, Iggy Azalea with 2014 being her breakout year with Fancy, with Black Widow. Oh, her, her Black Widow. Fantastic song. I love that song. And, you know, like th- <laughs> these are artists that you're not supposed to like, quote unquote. And every time I listen to that song, I find myself able to put that expectation aside and realize that I actually really like the song. I really like this song. This song is one of many songs I could think of off the top of my head that are very, I mean, like Rack City. They're very stripped down. They're mm-hmm. very spare. And they rely on a lot of hyper-repetitive, very low-pitched vocals. Um, whether that's Rack City mm. or I'm thinking in particular of a song that came out earlier this year that I'm going to play a short clip of, of the chorus. Uh, this is from Invasion of Privacy, the Cardi B album from earlier, earlier this year. One of my absolute favorite songs on there uh, called She Bad, Cardi B and YG. Hypnotizing. And I definitely don't think Cream is quite at the level of this song, especially because uh, She Bad has uh, those offbeat vocals that just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. But you kind of get something similar with Cream on a much more toned down level with the uh, off, set, interjections, that. You know what I mean. Like they come in at these kind of weird angles and they're unexpected yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they sort of pep up the song that could otherwise be kind of listless. Also, I think it's worth saying that the song is very short. It's under three minutes. That certainly helps. And I find myself thinking about whether this portends a return to commercial success for either of these artists. Um, I think it's interesting to kind of note the chain of career resuscitation we have going on. Uh, You, I think, in one of the solo episodes talked about Tyga's song Taste, uh, which is doing a lot better in the U.S. than I expected. I believe it's in the top 20 now. And that coming after a couple years of diminishing returns for Tyga, uh, that success likely being because Offset is on the track. And of course, Offset and the rest of Migos being particularly big. And then if you have Tyga sort of resurging right now, maybe you have him appearing on this Iggy Azalea track in order to sort of revive her career. It's the circle of life, basically. Once you reach a stage in your career where you are not uh, reaching the sales that you once did, you bring in someone who is in hopes for a second wind. And uh, I think both of us think the song uh, deserves it. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Chart Chat, where we rule everything around us. If you'd like to listen to all this past week's chart debuts, you can find YouTube and Spotify playlists in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feedback, or corrections, you can get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Also, you should totally follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at chartchatcast. And we're starting to branch out to the Popheads subreddit a little bit. We're hoping to sort of get to know the people there because they are similarly minded in their excitement over pop music. 
And with also that being said, uh, please consider rating and reviewing us on your platform of choice. A brief apology to our uh, Google Play users. Our most recent episode on Drake got uh, caught up in the algorithm gears, but is finally now released as of recording on Friday, as opposed to its intended release on Monday. Chart Chat's intro theme was written by Peter Kelly, and our cover art was made by Billy Phillips, both from Coronation Media. Coronation Media is a creative studio specializing in video production, animation, and graphic design. To learn what they can do for your company or organization, visit www.coronationmedia.com. Chart Chat is also a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And we will catch you next week. Lot to say. In your face, had to put you in your place. Seven letters on the plate, you in the break. I got cars, I got bags, I got real estate. Fall play, I ain't come to play. I got big fish money, he gon' bite the bait. Can you drop it down, make that air talk to me? Keep that energy, going up the Hennessy. Cash. I need my bag quickly, separate six degrees, just think they know me. Sit vicious with you in this, hit me on my cash app, check it in the morning. Cash. In this bitch shining, dressed in designer, she could get right me. And it's perfect timing, gym with the timing, Bella Hadid, homie could get it. Cash. <laughs> I get high from a little help from my friends.